Amen. I was uh, joking with some of the guys earlier this morning at breakfast um, because normally, before I teach um, on Wednesday nights with the students, we always play a game. And, uh, and so we were joking about playing a game before I taught this morning, but that's not going to happen this week. But since you're stuck with me again next week, you know, who knows? We'll see. So, so keep, keep on the lookout for that. Uh, but if you have your Bible, go ahead and meet me in, in Luke chapter 5. Um, and that is going to be our key text for this morning. But as I was reading it and as I was studying it, I was reminded of uh, something that happened to me um, in my life that sounds a whole, light, like, whole lot like what happens to Peter um, in this passage of Scripture we'll read here in a minute. Uh, when I was a junior, it was between my sophomore and my junior year in high school, I went on a mission trip to Alaska. I was telling some of the students last week at Falls Creek um, about this occurrence, but uh, I left off the end of the story because I wanted to share it um, today. Uh, but when we were in Alaska, we uh, went on a mission trip, and, and the whole point of the trip was um, we went at the time when salmon normally are running upstream. And so our goal for the mission trip was that we were going to go, and we would go and fish. Um, and in and, and all the pictures that we saw, people were standing, lining both sides of the river, shoulder to shoulder, um, fishing. And so what we were going to do is um, we were going to go out and we were going to fish. And as we were fishing, we were going to strike up conversations with the people that were beside us. And, and hopefully uh, those conversations would lead to gospel conversations and we would see people come to know the Lord. So, you know, we're all excited for this trip. And uh, we get up there and we get to Alaska and we get all of our fishing gear together and our waders because the water's freezing cold. Um, and we get our fishing license. We got, we got a week fishing license because we were going to be there for for a whole week, and uh, the first day we walk out to the river, um, and we get out there, and there is not a soul to be found, and we were like, wait a minute, this doesn't look anything like the pictures, like, this isn't right, what's going on here, um, we're like, well, you know, I mean, I guess, I guess it's kind of early, I mean, the, the, the sun doesn't set in Alaska until like three o'clock in the morning, so, you know, maybe they're sleeping in, you know, whatever, and uh, so we just start fishing, you know, Nothing's really biting. Well, eventually, you know, there's a couple of guys that show up, but it's like there's 15 of us and two of them, so we didn't want to make them feel awkward, so we didn't just like bum rush them and, and go talk to them. But so, you know, this happens for the first day, happens the second day, it happens the third day, and there is nobody out. And what had happened was is the weather that year had, had thrown, thrown everything off, and the fish hadn't began to run upstream yet. Um, and so, there was this little river that we were fishing in right beside the town we were staying in, but the pastor of the church that we were staying at was like, hey, there's, there's this bigger river that's a little bit outside of town. Uh, they're, they're a little bit more likely to be, to be running um, in, in this area, so let's go out there and see if we can catch anything, because we had been fishing for four days, and we hadn't caught a fish. Um, and so uh, we, we go out there to this, this bigger river, and uh, we start fishing, and there's more people out there um, this time, and... Uh, we're, we're all fishing and still can't get anything to bite. Nothing's biting. And so eventually, this is a story I shared with the students, a couple of the guys get bored. And so the water there, um, as I mentioned, you have to wear waders because the water's like a solid 37 degrees. And, uh, and so a couple of guys got the bright idea to have an endurance competition to see who could hold their arm underwater um, the longest. Well, as, as they're doing this competition, there are these two bears that come out of the woods about 25 yards away from us. And, uh, and so th we had application for that at False Creek, but the application that it has for us today is I had fished for five straight days and not caught a single fish, 
There was not one person on our whole entire trip that had caught a fish, but these two bears that ran out of the woods, it was a mama and her baby cub, after the two guys were um, bright enough to finally get their arms out of the water and run away from the bears, um, the, bears the mama bear runs into the water. The cub's still standing on the shore. Mama bear sticks its head underwater for not even a second, pulls out a fish, turns and throws it to her baby. Baby catches it in its mouth, turns around, runs back into the woods. Mama sticks her head back under again, grabs a second fish, then runs into the woods and, and runs away. And I'm just standing there in awe thinking to myself, I've been fishing for a week, and I can't catch a single fish, and this mama bear comes out here and catches two fish in less than 10 seconds. Like, there is something wrong with this picture, and in this text that we're going to look at today, um, I can imagine that the way that I was feeling was a whole lot like the way that Peter felt in this passage of Scripture. So if you guys would, stand with me, and let's read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 says this, As the crowds were pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were watch, washing their nets. He got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I will let down my nets. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. Father, as we study your scriptures, I pray that um, this would be a worshipful time, worshipful time, that your name would be lifted high and, and, and magnified in this place. We love you, and we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. So as we look at this story, um, we can see how th- this progression in Peter's life, as, as he's sitting on the shore and he is cleaning his nets because he's been out fishing all night and he felt a whole lot like I did, fishing for a week and didn't catch a thing. And then he goes out in the boat with Jesus and Jesus is like, hey, just cast out your nets. And he pulls in this enormous number of fish just like that mama bear ran into the river and and caught uh, those fish for her and her baby cub. Um, But this passage of scripture has a whole lot to speak specifically into our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ but it also has a whole lot to speak into our lives about evangelism. And so the first thing that I want you guys to see in this text is in verses 1 through 4, that Jesus calls us deeper. That Jesus calls us deeper. Um, In verses 1 through 4, it says this, As the crowds were pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. He saw two boats on the edge of the lake, and the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats which belonged to Simon Peter and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. 
When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And so what we see here is we see this progression of Jesus and Peter. Peter is sitting on the shore. He is mending and he's cleaning his nets. And then this Jesus guy rolls up and Jesus is like, hey, um, I need to teach all these people who want to hear God's word. So I'm going to get in your boat and I want you to put out the boat a little bit from the shore so that everybody can see me and that everybody can hear me. And so I can imagine Peter at this point is like, I've been out on this lake all night long. I haven't slept all night. I just want to go home and go to sleep. That's all that I want to do right now. I don't want to get back out in this boat, but, you know, whatever. And so Jesus and Peter get back out into this boat, and Peter puts out the boat a little bit from the shore. But that's not where he leaves him. We see that, that after this, after Jesus gets done teaching to the crowds, he turns and looks at Peter, and he says, Peter, why don't you go ahead and go out into the deep? And we see this truth from the Word of God that as a follower of Jesus, Christ is not content with where we are at right now. He is constantly calling us to something more. He is constantly calling us deeper. He wasn't content with Peter being on the shore. He wasn't content with Peter being in the shallows. He wanted Peter to go out into the deep. I had a professor, um, I have a professor in seminary, and uh, he was talking about um, spiritual disciplines and, and growing more into the image of Christ and growing in Christ's likeness. And he described it like a flame or like a fire. Each of us can imagine a fire, and as we think about a fire, a fire really is doing one of two things. You're either putting wood on the fire and making the fire grow, or the fire is dwindling down and, and burning out. And as a follower of Jesus, our life is a lot like this fire. We are either growing in the Lord, we are going deeper in the Lord, or we are letting our fire die down. So Christian, I want to ask you this question today. How brightly is your fire burning? I want to follow it up with this question and ask, when is it that your fire has burnt the brightest for the Lord? When I ask that question, many of you probably think to a time when you first began your walk with Jesus and you were excited and you were um, reading your Bible every day and you were praying and you were studying and, and that was the time when your fire burned the brightest. Or, or, or maybe it was when um, a one of your children or one of your friends, you, you had the opportunity to lead them to come to know the Lord, and, and that was when your fire burned the brightest. But let me challenge you with this today. If your answer to that question is anything other than today, there is something wrong. Because Jesus is calling us ever deeper calling us ever further, more and more into his image. And so let me challenge you. Make every day that you live, let your fire burn brighter for Jesus. Let your walk grow deeper with Jesus. This reminds me of a story of two brothers. Um, of course, there was the older brother and the younger brother, and they were out at a lake one day. And uh, uh, the, the younger brother was a little bit scared uh, to go out into the deep, much like we are 
So he was out in, in the shallow, just kind of wading around where the water was about knee deep. Um, and his brother and some of his brother's friends were out um, in the deeper water, going under the water and, and swimming and cutting up and having fun. And so eventually the older brother turns and looks at his young, younger brother and tells him, come out here, come on, come, come out into the deep. The younger brother says, no, no, I don't want to do that. It's like, why not? He's like, because because I, can't, I can't go out into the deep because I can't swim and hold my nose at the same time. And he's like, he's like, no, the older brother looks at the younger brother and says, it's okay. You, you see, th- this is the way that works. Whenever you get out into the deep water, all that you have to do is you just have to hold your nose to get under the water. But as soon as you get under the water, you kind of turn into like a fish. And then you can just breathe normally like you do above water, like a good older brother would, would tell his younger brother, right? So the younger brother's like, hmm okay. And so he, he starts wading out a little bit deeper and he gets to the water that's about chest deep and he goes for it. He jumps in, holds his nose, hits underwater, lets go of his nose. About two seconds later, comes back up, gasping for air, coughing water out of his lungs, and his brother's sitting in the shallows laughing at him. You see, many of us are like the younger brother. We are, we are afraid to go into the deep because we are afraid we are going to drown. We, we're afraid to go into the deep because we don't know what the Lord has for us there. And, and we like controlling our own lives and we don't want to relinquish that control to Jesus. But you see, there's a difference between Jesus and the older brother in this story. You see, the older brother in the story just wanted to mess with his little brother. But when Jesus calls us to go deeper, he will provide for us everything that we need. We don't need to be afraid to go into the deep. We just have to be faithful to follow Jesus there. I'm going to pick back up in verse 4 and read to you guys verses 4 and 5 to find our next point. That Jesus' commands require complete obedience. Jesus' commands require complete obedience. Verse 4 says this, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down your nets for catch. Verse 5, Master, Simon said, We've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets. As I mentioned a while ago, Peter is back on the shore at the beginning of the story, and he is done for the night. He's, he wants to go home. But Jesus pulls him back into the boat. Jesus not only pulls him back into the shallows, he takes him out into the deep. And then he looks at him and says, I actually want you to put down your nets back out into the water. And Peter at this moment is just, I can't just imagine the thoughts that are going through his mind because I can think of the thoughts that go through my mind when Jesus calls me to something that I don't want to do. I can imagine him thinking, okay, Jesus, time out. You've taken me from the shore. I want to be at home. I've already cleaned my nets. You want me to put them back in there? After I've been fishing all night long and not caught a single thing, like, Jesus, you are crazy. Like, you are a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? This is what I do for a living. Man, but I love Peter's response in verse 5. And this is the heart that each one of us should have. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, but if you say so, I will let down my nets. You see, whenever Jesus commands us to do something, it requires our complete obedience. 
We don't ask a question of, of, of why or how or how are we going to, going to accomplish this or, or what are we going to do or what is it going to look like when I do this. We don't ask any questions. We follow in complete obedience because Jesus says so. This reminds me of parenting. Now, I'm not a parent, but um, I take care of about 35 to 40 students, and so I kind of get it a little bit. Um, but uh, for those of you who have parented, you understand this. Uh, so let's use this example. When a, stu- when, a, when, a, when a young child, you know, ages 5 to 10, um, is, is learning to cross a street, what do you tell them? You look at them and you tell them, hey, before you cross the street, make sure that you look both ways or make sure that you hold my hand when we cross the street. And they look at you and they always ask the question. It's always the question they ask. They ask, why? And you look at them and you say, because I said so. And, and why is it that you say, because I said so? It's because you don't want to explain to them the fact that if they go across the street without looking both ways and a car comes flying and hits them, you're going to have to shovel them off the pavement. You, you don't want to explain that to a child, so you just look at them and you say, because I say so. It's because I say so. Why? Because children don't have the mental capacity to process these types of things and these types of dangers out in the world. And so it is us as parents who look at them and tell them, It's because I say so. It's because I know what is best for you. And so as we follow Jesus, it's time for us to stop asking why and stop asking how and just to simply start doing the things that he commands us to because he says so and because he knows best for us, not as individuals, but also as a church. If Jesus calls us to do something, he requires complete obedience. Verses nine through, 6 through 9 say this, When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. It's funny that we see in, in verse 2 that Peter and his, uh, his fellow fishermen are sitting on the shore, and they are cleaning the nets, and the reason that they would be cleaning their nets would be to dry them out and to get all of the fungus and the gunk from the sea off of them so that the nets themselves wouldn't tear when they went to use them again. But here, whenever they cast out their nets at Jesus' command, they're pulling back in the nets, and the nets um, begin to tear. And in verse 7 it says, So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come and to help them, And when they came, they filled both boats so that they began to sink. Y'all, that is a lot of fish. This isn't some fisherman tale where I caught a fish that was this big, and the next time you tell the story, the fish is this big. No, this is a story so big that Jesus completely fills two boats full of fish that they begin to sink. This is amazing. This is a act of God showing his glory and showing how he is different from anybody else. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. You see, Whenever we see Jesus in all of his glory and in all of his holiness, it compels us to repent. 
Whenever we see Jesus' holiness, it compels us to repent. We see this in the life of Simon Peter. After Jesus has done this amazing and this miraculous thing, the only response that Peter can muster up in that moment is to fall on his knees before the Lord of the universe. This reminds me of a story in Isaiah chapter 6. Very, very similar to the call of Peter that we see here in Luke chapter 5. But in Isaiah chapter 6, I'm going to read to you guys verses 1 through 4. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high and lofty, seated on a high and lofty throne. And the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, and each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, I being Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips and live among a people of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. You see, whenever we have an experience with Jesus for who he truly is, and he manifests his glory, and we see his holiness, our only response should be repentance. Woe is me. When we see the beauty and the perfection of Jesus, we realize how sinful we are. And we should repent. And we should turn and follow the Lord. Jesus' holiness compels us to repent. But not only does it compel us to repent, as we see in verse 9, it says, For he and all those who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. Church, when was the last time that you were amazed with Jesus? When was the last time that you were amazed with Jesus? You see, we live in a world that tries to amuse us, that builds amusement parks, that can muster up anything on the television, that can um, take us off, Um, to where our wildest imaginations never could. And I think that part of our problem is that we are not amazed with Jesus. We are not amazed with the things that he does in our life and the things that he does in our church. So I think that it's time that we be like Peter. And whenever God displays his glory in an awesome and amazing way, that we respond in the only right way. That's that we fall down on our knees in repentance and worship the amazing God that we serve. Verses 10 and 11 say this. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. They were also amazed. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching peeper. Peep, not peeper. <laughs> That's funny. People. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. You see, the only 
right response that follows repentance is completely surrendering everything to Jesus. Jesus commissions us to make disciples. We see this in the passage of Scripture that I read a while ago from Isaiah chapter 6. I didn't finish reading that passage, but I'm going to read to you guys verses 6 through 8. And in verses 6 through 8, it says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal, and he, that which he had taken from the altar with, to, with tongs, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed, and your sins are atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who should I send, and who will go for us? And I said, I being Isaiah, Hear Am I send me? You see, church, the only response to God's glory is to go to the world and to share it. God commissions us to go and to make disciples. He tells Peter in Luke chapter 5 no longer are you going to fish for fish, but you're going to fish men. The story culminates in Acts chapter 2. After Jesus has called Peter to come and follow him, after, after Peter comes off of the water and he leaves his boat and he leaves his net and he, and he gives up everything to go and follow Jesus, he spends the next three years following Jesus, learning from Jesus, Letting Jesus teach him everything that there is to know to make his name great. And it culminates in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 41. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. You see, this is the first sermon that Peter, Peter preaches. And I'm sure that in the back of his mind, as he's seeing these 3,000 people being baptized and these 3,000 people coming to know the Lord, in the back of his mind, he remembers being out in the deep with Jesus, pulling in so many fish that the boats began to sink. Seeing 3,000 people come to know the Lord, y'all, that is seeing the boats sink. And so, as we look at this passage of Scripture, Luke 5, 1 through 11, as a whole, I want to tie it up in a nice bow like this. I want to first ask you the question, where are you at with Jesus? Are you sitting on the shore? Have you never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because if you haven't today, he is calling you to place your faith and hope in him and give it all up to him. Are you sitting in the shallows? Have you just began to walk with the Lord? 
but, but, but you really don't know what you're doing. Maybe, maybe Jesus is calling you to be discipled. Maybe calling you to uh, get into a small group where you can be challenged by the word of God. Or, or maybe you are out there in the deep and you're struggling. Here's the truth is that Jesus still wants to call you deeper. What is it that Jesus is calling you to? Because when Jesus commands us to do something, our only response should be complete obedience. Are you amazed with Jesus? And are you going on mission to make disciples? You see, church, I think, I think that this has a lot to speak to us in the way of sanctification and in the way of discipleship. But I think that there's a direct correlation between us going deeper in the Lord and us obeying the commands of the Lord and us repenting of our sin and in us surrendering everything to follow Jesus. And if we do this, we too, like Peter, will begin to see the boats sink as we go out and we fish for men. If you are growing more into the image of Jesus, as this passage of Scripture is challenging us to, we will see people come to know the Lord because Jesus overflowing from you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the example that we have in Isaiah and the example that we have in Peter in the way that you beckon and you called them and you call us in the same way. Father, I pray for each person in this room, whether they be a follower of you or not. Father, if they are not, I pray that you would so stir in their life that their only response that they might have is to begin following you. And Father, for the disciple in this room, I pray that you would give them the boldness to go deeper, to have the boldness to follow your commands and to go where you would lead us. Father, burden our hearts to grow more into the image of your Son. Burden our hearts to reach the lost souls in the community around us. Father, and my prayer for our church is this, is that we would see the boats sink because of faithful men and women going out into the world, fishing for people to give you the honor and the glory. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want to offer you guys an opportunity to respond. I'm going to be down here up front. If you have never given your life to Jesus and that's something that you would like to do, I would love nothing more than to talk with you. Maybe, maybe you're searching for a place um, to, to plant your roots. Maybe you're searching for a, a family to live in, to, to grow in community with, to um, grow deeper in the Lord. If you would do that, we would love nothing more for, than you for, for, to join our church. But for those of you in the room who are disciples of Jesus, I want you to use this time to examine your heart and your life and see if there is anything that the Lord has called you to that you have not responded to in complete obedience. 
I want you to examine your life, and I want you to see if there is any sin in your life as we stand before a picture of a holy God that you need to repent from. Or maybe it's this. Maybe it's that you're just simply not going and making disciples. Use this time to let the Lord deal with your heart. If you need to respond, the altar is open. I'll be up front.